Let's pray and have uh, ask that God that uh, God would illuminate uh, His Word for us this morning. Holy God, open Your Word. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that our eyes may be enlightened and we may know the hope to which we have been called. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. All right, we're at the end of the book of Acts. And uh, it's an interesting ending. It's not quite what one would expect, really. Um, it's not like the Great Commission or at the end of Matthew where you have a very definite go out and take this word. It's not like the book of Revelation where you have a new Jerusalem um, wrapping things up neatly. Um, it's, a, it's an odd ending. It seems to end a bit abruptly and it leaves you with lots of questions. Um, and other books in the Bible uh, do that as well, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, not least of which Chronicles which announces that Israel is allowed to go home uh, to their land, uh, like we just saw here. Um, as I was thinking about this, I thought, how, what kind of illustration do we use with this? Like, where do we find? Last week, we talked a little bit about Star Wars, right? We had a lesson in type scenes and, and why Star Wars was such a uh, popular movie. Um, so we can go to movies with odd endings. Um, so this one... We're going to have to give away the ending, but I think most people in here, except for maybe the kids gathered down front, will know how it ends. But I'm thinking of um, Rocky. And Rocky is, uh, it's one of my, I, I just love the ending. And it's because it's, it was this blockbuster, it won a ton of awards, and at the end the guy loses. He loses. So at the end of the fight, Rocky loses, and there's this big, big celebratory feel at the end of it, right? And you got the Adrian, you know, calling out for Adrian, and, and there's just this, like, this feeling of celebration, and there's a, a point at which you're like, wait a minute, did we lose? Wait, we lost. He lost, but it's still a win, right? And um, I think it's such a great ending because it's not a typical Hollywood ending, yet it was... Uh, um, you know, won awards, um, launched Stallone's career. Uh, he wrote that. Um, and I think I've always liked it because it's a bit strange. It's a bit unexpected. And it goes against uh, the grain. And, and, and you're sort of left wondering, like, okay, what's the celebration about then? Because so typically we want it all wrapped up and nice and neat at the end. And we can feel good. We want the song to resolve on the chord and uh, that it would begin on, and we can feel good about that. It's like a nice warm hug, but you don't get that. And so what you have with Rocky is that there is a journey, and the win is not in the match. It's not in uh, you know, winning the match. It's simply in making it through the match. And so there is a journey. He comes to a point. He comes to a threshold. He comes to a point in his life where there is a breakthrough, uh, but it's not defined by an actual win at the end of the movie. You're left wondering what's next. You know, he has crossed a line here. He has um, tackled some of his own demons. And so 
it sort of leaves you looking forward. Um, and the unexpected ending like that um, is an invitation. It's an invitation for Rocky too, right? I guess. But it's an invitation to engage and to move forward and to see what's next and to dream and to hope and to have a vision. Um, so the unexpected ending is, is an invitation uh, to continue the work. And that's what we find here in Acts. There's something new. We don't know what the future, the old is past, but there's something new on the horizon. And so we only have a handful of verses, and uh, we begin with Acts 28.15. It says, The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to meet us at the Forum on the Apian Way. Others joined us at the Three Taverns. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged and thanked God. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. So he gets a warm welcome, but we are left with this note in verse 16 that reminds us that Paul is in chains. He is a prisoner. Uh, so despite the circumstances, um, in Paul's case being um, a prisoner, um, we have this sense that the story is continuing. He has some freedom, so to speak. Um, and God is still on the move. And, you know, perhaps we've been in a situation where we feel like, despite the circumstances, I'm, I'm sure right now, in, in this time in, in our world, we can say, despite the circumstances, despite what we see going around, despite the fact that we're all wearing masks, and there's no hugs at the door, um, that God is still up to something, that God is still moving. I mean, the word of God is still going forth. Paul is preaching unhindered, um, which is a right that we enjoy in this country as well. And we are grateful for that. So he, he goes on. And we have this last sort of scene. It says, three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. This is what we often see with Paul, going to the synagogue. He's in chains. He's on house arrest. So he can't go to them. He calls them to him. And he said, brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem, handed over to the Roman government. And even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, the Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death, death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted, and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. And I love this. Uh, I love it maybe because we're still in the tales of uh, an election and still feeling the reverberations of that. But Paul doesn't take a fighting stance here. I love this. I called you over because I wanted to get acquainted and I wanted to share with you the story. And more than that, 
I want to share with you my hope. My hope. And these Jews would have had the same hope that the Messiah would one day come, restore his kingdom. And Paul is saying, I have that same hope. We are on the same page when it comes to that hope. And I believe that it's in Jesus. I believe that that's where the hope is found. And I want to share that with you. And I was struck by how simple that witness is and how simple it is for us. I think sometimes we think that it's out of reach uh, sharing our faith, that it's awkward, it's strange. Um, and I thought how simple this is that Paul's just saying, here's where my hope is found. And that is so simple, and I think it can be done in a very unawkward way. That when we are, when we see people struggling over who our next president will be, what the government will be like, um, what are the next mandates coming down the road, I think it can be fairly simple that, you know, I, I understand that it's tough and it's tough for all of us. Um, what I have found is that my hope, if I put my hope in something bigger and beyond this, then it helps. It's simple. And I was kind of convicted by this. Just how much struggle we can see in the world, see in the community around us. Uh, I've been thinking about um, I've been thinking about the people in our community. And it just seems like this summer, uh, in the fall, I keep hearing about uh, marriages that are falling apart um, from a number of people. And I think, you know, the hope is not there. The hope is in Jesus. And that's our foundation. That is our rock. And we build upon that. And I've been trying to figure out how do I, how can I share that? How can I share that? And that's what Paul wants to do here. And uh, it's interesting because we are ending the way we began. And, and, and when I say begin, I don't mean the beginning of Acts. I mean the beginning of Luke. The beginning of Luke, we hear about this baby being born. And it's in Jerusalem, but there's lots of reference to Rome. There's census that needs to be taken and traveling because of Augustus Caesar and his decrees. So we're in Jerusalem with reference to Rome, and now we are in Rome with reference to these Jewish leaders. And there's been a journey. There is something has been accomplished, uh, like Rocky, you know, but maybe the end doesn't look exactly like what we thought. And so Paul begins to share. They said to him, we've had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we've heard or we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was set and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. And after 
They had argued back and forth among themselves. They left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors, through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to this people, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. It's all about perception. It's all senses. The senses are dulled, and they don't understand the message. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. This is the heart of of the gospel, right? This looks back to Genesis chapter 12, where God calls Abraham to separate, to make his own journey, to separate from his father's house, from the land that he knew. He goes on a long journey to a place God would show him, pretty vague. He gets there, and God makes a promise that you will have many descendants, and your descendants will bless all the families on the face of the earth. Everyone. Right? We're just saying, for God so loved the world. That was the plan. Then Jesus says this. You're going to take this message from Jerusalem. It's going to end up in Rome, where the utter ends of the earth. This is the message. This is how it grows. It's going from Jerusalem to Rome. It's going from Abraham to all the families on the face of the earth. And this is what Paul shares. It's at the heart of his own calling. Paul, you will bring this message to the Gentiles. I will show you how much you have to suffer for my name's sake. And that's what he does. And he's still doing it, right? He's in chains, but the message is still going. And this is, you know, the fact that Paul is doing this It shows us that God's approval is on this. God is moving. It's a vindication of all the struggle he's been through. It's a vindication of all the the pain, all the suffering, the friends, the division, um, the years of work. Remember the one guy left him in jail for two years as a bribe, tried to use him as a, get a bribe out of him? Two years. And he's still going. This is the message, that it goes to everyone. Everyone. Um, And this issue of crossing ethnic boundaries, gender boundaries, social class boundaries, is at the heart of the gospel. And through Jesus, we are able to do that. So there's been this big journey, you know, and, and Paul is still at it. I think sometimes um, we read these stories, we read these passages about the deaf and the blind, and there's an automatic sort of assumption 
Or maybe we can think of Jesus' parables and the wedding feast. And there's an assumption that we all have that we are in the wedding. <laughs> we are the ones that understand. And so when we read something like this, it's worth pausing humbly and saying, maybe I'm one of those that doesn't understand. Maybe I don't get it. Let's just kind of humble ourselves and say, God, open up the eyes of our heart that we may see. Am I living this out? Is the message going forward? And so we come to the last, uh, the last part. Luke writes, So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles. They will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. That's it. And I'm left wondering, well, what, why the reference to two years? What happens after two years? His appeal to Caesar is what got him here. What happened to that? Okay, so the message has now come to the heart of the Gentile world, known in that, world, that part of the world. What happened? Were people converted? We know that some Jews believed and some didn't. What happened in Rome? It's a dot, dot, dot. It's an ellipsis, right? A dot, dot, dot. And we're left like, okay, is this a win? Like Rocky, is this a win? I mean, he lost. He lost. But he won. And so there's an invitation there. I mean, that pause is for us. And this happens in the Bible every once in a while. I was thinking of, uh, you know, this time when Israel is sitting in exile. We kind of heard a part of that story. They're allowed to go back. The book of Lamentations. This is the end. This is how it, how it ends. Joy has left our hearts. This is Israel sitting in exile, not at home, not at the temple. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The garlands have fallen from our heads. Weep for us because we have sinned. Our hearts are sick and weary. Our eyes grow dim with tears. For Jerusalem is empty and desolate, a place haunted by jackals. But Lord, you remain the same forever. Your throne continues from generation to generation. Why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us for so long? Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Or have you utterly rejected us? Are you angry still? End of book. That's it. That's purposeful. Because it launches us on to wonder about those questions. I think of the end of Chronicles. Now, the Chronicles is really important for us because the Jewish people that Paul's talking to they would see Chronicles as the end of their scripture, the last word. Okay, The end of our Old Testament sets, itself, sets us up to hear about John the Baptist, the voice crying in the wilderness. 
But the end of the Hebrew Bible is, is arranged differently. And here's the end. This is how the whole thing ends. The few who survived were taken as exiles to Babylon, and they became servants to the king and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. So the message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until the 70 years were fulfilled, just as the prophet had said. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put his, this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout the kingdom. This is what the king of Cyrus of Persia says. Here it is. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go there for this task. And may the Lord your God be with you. That's it. The proclamation by the king. You're allowed to go back, dot, dot, dot. And so as the Hebrew Bible concludes, we are left wondering, what's next? Are they going to go back or not? Will they make the journey or not? Will it be built or not? Will we engage in this story that God has launched for us? And Acts ends the same way. Will we continue to take up this story? There's been a lot that's been going on in this story. There's been friends that have died. Think of Stephen and James. The group has become much more ethnically diverse. It looks a lot different than in the beginning. Leaders have risen and developed or have faded out. There's been jailings and beatings, trials involving multiple governments. Travel to multiple countries and continents, hazardous travel, pagans, priests, and philosophers are confronted with new ideas, plots to ambush and kill, inner church division, healings, and simple teaching. I'm reminded that Paul last week was on the island of Malta, didn't preach a sermon that we could saw recorded here, just serve the people. That is God working out in that community. So there's been a lot going on. And the dot, dot, dot is there for us to take up. It's left that way on purpose. And I think sometimes we're wondering, well, what, you know, what do we do? And just knowing the people in our church, I would encourage people to say, you're doing it. Even in the simple plugging in of the sound system and all that sort of thing, whether it's simple or whether it's big, God's doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't necessarily overthink it. Like, like I just mentioned, Paul in Malta, he's just there with the people, serving, healing, helping them out. We might not have powers to heal people on the spot, but there's ways we bring healing to relationships and to people that are hurt. And so we keep going and keep going. I have a couple, just two quotes here. They're both so good, I couldn't leave one out. So, 
God is able to disrupt the obstacles poised to hinder our opportunities. To encounter God and live into the salvation God provides. The book does not guarantee rescue. But it does reassure us that encountering God is never beyond possibility. Sadness, struggle, and even shipwrecks always continue, but they won't be the final act. God will yet intrude. The story of God's salvation always extends further than the book of Acts can map it. I love that. The story of God's salvation always extends further than the book of Acts can map it. Share your hope with your neighbor. Serve your neighbor. We are living in a current time of um, uncertainty. And it may not feel like it, but it's a real gift. It's a real gift. Um, Lisa was sharing with me, the, the, the pastor over here at the uh, Presbyterian Church was sharing with Lisa this term she's been meditating on these days during this whole pandemic. The term is liminal. It's a time of transition. You're at a threshold. It's like you're walking up the steps, but you can't quite see what inside the building looks like yet. Rocky has made it through the battle, but we don't know what his future holds. It's a period of in-between. and It's a period of great opportunity. If we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. I have another quote here by, on this issue of liminal space by uh, Richard Rohr. It says, the, the liminal space is a space where betwixt and between the familiar and the completely unknown. There alone is our old world left behind, while we are not yet sure of the new existence. That's a good space where genuine newness can begin. Get there often and stay as long as you can by whatever means possible. This is the sacred space where the old world is able to fall apart and a bigger world is revealed. If we don't encounter liminal space in our lives, we start idealizing normalcy and what normal is. We're in a great space for that right now and for people to hear what our hope is. And it's in Jesus. And then we're in a great space to remember and to realize where our hope really lies. And that is Jesus. So what do we do? I'm going to go back to Acts 17. Real short. Acts 17, 11 and 12. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching out the truth. As a result, many believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. I love this. Because they're active and we also see that it's a process, that we engage with God, we engage with the story, we engage with the word, we engage with one another together and search, search 
for where God is leading us so that we do have eyes to see and we do have ears to hear and that we are not dull with our senses. So we're going to do what we've been doing uh, throughout November leading up to Thanksgiving. We're going to give thanks, uh, short prayers of thanks uh, for this space, this liminal space, this between space, this opportunity, the dot, dot, dot at the end of this book. And for anything else you want to give thanks for. So let's stand and pray together. God, I thank you for this book. It has been timely for our church to study it. Following um, Easter and during this time of transition and change, um, this time of breaking down our ruts, I thank you for this word, this study, this journey that we have witnessed in the early church. That you are on mission, that you have not forgotten us, you have not forgotten the world, and that we can trust in you to lead and to guide. This is my prayer.